0: So, so appreciate the ministry of Jesus through Ron Brendel, don't you? What a blessing this week! Thank you for coming this morning. We are deeply grateful for your presence uh, with us with the Lord Jesus this morning through His Spirit. I invite your attention if you have your Bible, hope you bring it to the services to John chapter 17. We're looking at the prayer of Jesus, specifically verses four and five of the prayer that Jesus prayed to his father just a few hours before he's going to be betrayed and crucified. In the prayer, we get a glimpse, really, it's kind of uh, an opportunity to be kind of like a fly on the wall, if you will, and observe the relationship between Jesus and the Father. Have you ever wanted to be a fly on the wall at a meeting? One of those important meetings, you know, that you're not allowed into and you'd like to just, couldn't I just listen in? Couldn't I just see a little bit of what goes on there? It's kind of like our daughter works on the, uh, on the OB floor at the hospital. We're not allowed in there, but I, could I just peek, you know? Could I just see what happens there? And, and in this prayer, we get this amazing glimpse into the interaction between This is what it sounds like in the Trinity. This is conversation. This is the interaction between Jesus and the Father. And so we we begin to see everything in the life of Jesus flows out of that relationship, that that oneness with the Father, everything. And one of the interesting things as you come to verse 4, I'm listening to this prayer and every aspect of life, relationship for since Jesus, we believe, is fully human, we've already established that he was 100% God and 100% human, not half and half. That being 100% human, as the Hebrew writer told us, that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He was tempted at all points as we are. And so Jesus, in his full humanity, experienced every aspect, every aspect of human living that that we experience. And so his relationship with the Father just shaped and flowed into every single aspect of human living. And and so I found it so interesting as you come to verse four that he mentions the the idea of work. Work. That's an aspect of human living, all right? Some of us, uh, we've come to Camp Syker for a week or 10 days and it's nice to be away from work but in about a week or so we're going back and it's a real aspect of human living work I find that uh we have we have a lot of different views on work I as I listen to the way I talk as I listen to the way I And by the way it's interesting do you ever listen to your prayers it's interesting that I learn a lot about what I really think by what I pray. And so as I listen to my prayers, as I listen to other people talk, we, we have lots of conversations about work. It's one of those, you know, it's one of those things you bring up in conversation. Weather, work, Ohio State. I mean, just, you know, important stuff. You, I find that we tend to, I find that often in myself, I, I find that often, maybe in the world, we don't even often have a healthy view of, of work being such an important part of our lives and humanity and the existence which God has given us work. I find that we tend to gravitate towards two, I do, two unhealthy pulls. Some of us are addicted to work. Can I get amen on that? Some of us can't get away from work. We constantly have our device, we constantly have to check our email, there's one more phone call to answer, there's always something on our minds, we're so addicted to our work, that's not healthy. Many in our culture are averse to work and that's not very good either. And so I, I'm, I'm fascinated in the prayer to learn about Jesus's view of work. How does, how does God, how does Jesus, in, being fully human, in his human existence, how does Jesus' view work? Because I want to have Jesus' view, not my view. I love, uh, I love looking at t-shirts. I love Tom Keene's t-shirt this week that says, uh, Jesus takes naps, be like Jesus. I, I really like that. I want to I have Jesus' view of work in my life. And so if you would this morning, I'd like to back up to verse three and then move into verse four and five. Last night we read, this is eternal life, Father, that they may know you, gnosko you, up close know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Lord Jesus, in every area of life, we desperately need your, your view. Paul said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We need the mind of Christ. We need the mind of Christ today. We need, as Paul wrote in In that beautiful passage in Romans, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We come this morning with an open heart, with an open mind, that you, Jesus, could literally replace my thoughts with your thoughts, that you could literally, could you rewire, could you make new connections, could you make new synapses? That Jesus, I don't think the same way that I've always thought, that I don't look the same way I've always looked. I don't approach the same way I've always approached. Lord, the fact is, we're, hey, we're we're going back to work. There's some form of work that awaits us either today or whether it be eight days from now. There's some form of work. And Jesus, we need, we ask, we beg and plead this morning for your view. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, amen. How does Jesus' view work? One of the obvious things among a few is that as we've already said so clearly and it seems so obvious, is that in his work, in the work that was given to him, Jesus' view is that the Father is his view. (laughs) He was so enamored with, he was so taken with, he was so focused upon the Father that it's like the Father filled his whole view. I, I don't know about you this morning. I, I want to have such a view of God that he fills my whole viewfinder at all times. Jesus was constantly, as you lead up to this, even verse four, where he talks about work, you find that the first five verses, if, if you would just look through there and find how many times he just is, is absolutely focused on the Father. Everything, everything. He spoke these words. He lifted his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Verse two, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you, Father, verse two, have given him. Verse three, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Verse four, I have glorified you, on the earth, I have finished the work which you have given. It's almost ridiculous, isn't it? Verse five, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you. You see, Jesus's whole—it's so simple, and yet I miss it so often. That Jesus's whole you is the you is the Father is Father. I'm not going to think a thought. I'm not going to do a thing. I'm not going to speak a word. He says in chapter 14, the words that I speak, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even speak my own words on my own authority. Father, it's you. We see it constantly throughout the passage. We come to verse five, uh, the passage we're looking at this morning, and there's this emphasis in the grammar, Father, glorify me together with yourself, and I cannot describe for you this morning the emphasis in the Greek grammar about you, Father, with yourself. Now, we know this is nothing new, that Jesus and the Father have had that relationship for all of eternity, We see in verse five that Jesus points out what he's already said earlier in the gospel of John. What John told us is that in the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This isn't some late coming thing. Jesus and the father, he says in verse five, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was, this eternal relationship and oneness and so of course as Jesus takes on human flesh of course as Jesus now enters into human living and human experience of course he brings that same focus that same consummation in his life into everything that he does So he says in verse four, I have glorified you. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus, this is an amazing thought, Jesus views his work as a gift. I know you think that, don't you, in your life? You think of your job as a gift, right? I've got yard work to do. Thank you, God, for this gift, right? Dishes to do. Thank you, Lord, (laughs) Cat litter box, praise the Lord. (laughs) Jesus views work as a gift from the Father. As a matter of fact, when he says which you have given me, the work which you have given me, the word given, the verb given is in the perfect tense, which means it's an action that's taken place, but it's an action that continues. So Jesus views that everything he has, every activity of his life, everything he's called to is constantly from the Father. He's constantly flowing from the Father. It's everything that he has is constantly a gift from his Father. Everything. Every activity. Everything that he has been given to do. Furthermore, it says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. In in the Greek, there's a purpose clause in there. For the purpose of. And so this isn't just some random thing. It's not the father just kind of saying, hey, what can we do to keep Jesus busy while he's on earth? Hey, here's some assignments, Jesus. Keep yourself busy until it's time to die on the cross. No, it's everything has this purpose. And the picture is the same picture of this intimate involvement, and he's focused and he's one and he's responding with and the Father's in him and flowing through him and every single thing is this connection and relational. And I'm trying to get my brain around that, God help me. Because that's how Jesus views his work. See, when I think of work, I don't know, I I don't even know how to describe it, but I don't think I view work the same way Jesus views work. Work is not, work's just work, you know? You have different parts of your life, you know? You got work, and then you got church, and you got the fun stuff, recreation. You know, you you got family life, you got work. And work is just this thing that you, you know, work's work. And you try to get your work done, and you know, and, and you don't really think much about, I mean, you know, you're not, there's not, it's not this relational connected with the the boss kind of a thing. Hey, time away from the boss, that's a good thing. You know, it's kind of like just work is work. I mean, just come on, it's separate from everything else. Go do it. Here's an assignment. Go get that done. Do your job. Get your work done. But that's not how Jesus thinks about it. I don't know how to communicate it to you this morning, but I'm constantly, uh, probably a, I don't know, maybe it's a bad habit. I'm constantly trying to look at truth and say, how do my words communicate that? Is there any different way I can think about that? Are there any different terms I can think in that help me better, help John's brain better understand that concept of how Jesus thinks about work? And the term that's been popping into my mind is the term, Jesus wasn't just doing work, it's that Jesus viewed himself as constantly on assignment from the Father. Does that make sense? Work's just go do that, get it done, okay, that's over with. But Jesus views this as, Father, this is just work, that I am constantly on assignment from you, and you who's in me, and it's this constant connection to the one that has placed him on the assignment. As a matter of fact, I like the way... um, I like the way the message version uh, of the Bible translates that in the message. uh, And Eugene Peterson, when he translates that, he says in verse four, he says, Father, by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And what that seems to communicate to me a little bit better is this notion that, Father, it's not that you gave me something to do and I go do it separate from you. It's the idea that, I am connected with you in everything and you are, you are in me in it all and it's not just me going and doing, it is you placing me, assigning me and you are literally flowing through me and working through me and wherever you placed me. Jesus viewed work as not just work, it was I'm on assignment. Wouldn't that be interesting to take that into my life and yours? Did you know this morning God hasn't just given you work to do? You don't just have a job. Do you realize this morning that wherever you are in your life, whatever your occupation, whatever your role in the home, whatever your role is in your church, wherever your role is in your community, do you realize, can I tell you this morning on the authority of God's word, you are on assignment. You're on assignment from God. You don't just have work that God's given you. Man, what can I do to keep those folks down there busy? You know, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Oh, I gotta keep those folks busy till I take them to heaven. What am I gonna do with them? And you realize this morning, wherever God's placed you, listen, he's in you and the one who has assigned you, this is the amazing thing, the one who has assigned us is in us and he's working through us, and he has placed you, he's formed me, he's formed you, and he's placed you in this exact spot because he has this assignment that he wants to fulfill through you. You, this morning, wherever you are, are on assignment from God, and he's in you. Now, if that, since that's true, That affects how you view the work itself, the job itself, whatever the role is, whatever the function, whether it's an occupation, whether it's a a role at your house, a role at your church, here here on the grounds, in your community, whatever that role is, this concept of you're connected with him, you're on assignment, he's in me, he's working through me, it's never disconnected from him. That, views, that, that affects how you view the job itself. See, it seems to be that oftentimes in our, in my view at least, work is always about one thing, getting it done. Anybody with me? Getting it done. I wanna get it done and get it over with so I can get onto something else. It's about getting it done. It's about achievement or it's about a checklist I guess I'm gonna have to come clean this morning and admit that I am a post-it note person in my life. Do we have anybody else this morning that is a post-it note person? Maybe you use something else, maybe you use a grocery list, I don't know, but I keep these post-it notes on my desk and I make these lists and can can I tell you this morning, there is nothing, nothing, that gives, oh, almost nothing, that gives me more joy in my life than when you can cross off everything on the Post-it note and crumple it up and throw it away. Woo, that's a good feeling. And I have different, I have color-coded Post-it note pads. My blue pad is my long-term projects. The yellow pad is what needs to get done right now. And especially getting rid of that top sheet on the yellow pad is really a liberating thing, let me tell you. But if the work is not just about getting it done, if the work is about relational, if the work is about knowing him, if the work is about being connected to him and and he's in me and he's the one that's placed me there, then it, it causes me to view it completely differently. As a matter of fact, in the grammar in John 17, verses four and five, Again, we already said that, th- that when Jesus said the work that you have given me, the grammar says that that act of giving wasn't a one-time thing, it's an ongoing thing. So it wasn't just the father gives Jesus a checklist, says, hey, Jesus, go down, down there to earth, here's your checklist, report back to me when your post-it note list is crossed off. It's a giving that keeps, it's, it's constantly being given. I'm constantly moving in this thing. And the word do, the work that you've given me to do, without going into all the detail this morning, the word do is a Greek verb that literally refers more to process than accomplishment. See, I'm all about accomplishment. I'm all about checking it off. I'm all about measuring. I'm all about check, check, check. He's, he's into this process. Furthermore, I want you to look with me this morning in verse five at the word finished. Verse four, I have finished finished. Now, this is a little complicated, so just bear with me for a moment. In the Greek, Greek's kinda fun, because it's like Legos. Anybody like Legos? Remember Legos? Anybody still play with Legos? Greeks like Legos because you can take a root word and you can make it into different parts of speech, like a noun, like a verb, like an adjective, by adding different endings on it. So in Greek, there's this noun, that literally means the end, the end, or like a finish line, the end, the end of something. So when you take that noun and you, you transform it into a verb, literally that verb simply means to end something, to bring it to the end, to cross the finish line, you're done. However, you can also take that same root noun, the end, and you can transform it into an adjective. An adjective has the idea of completeness or fulfillment, which is more about the quality of something. And then you can take that adjective. Is everybody having fun? This is fun for me. You can take that adjective and turn that adjective into a verb. But do you understand that the verb that comes straight from the noun is different than the verb that comes from the adjective. Does that make sense? The verb from the noun is focused more on the just the act of get her done. It's done, it's finished. The noun that comes from the adjective has the idea more of the process or the quality of something. It's fulfilled, it's in its completeness. And when Jesus says, in verse four, he says, Father, I have finished. He didn't use the noun that came, he didn't use the verb that came straight from the noun. He uses the verb that comes from the adjective, which means that Jesus in this whole thing is focused not so much on the achievement as on the quality. He's not focused on the checklist as much on the being of the whole thing. He's not so focused on I got it done as much as it is on what's been happening in the whole process. Furthermore, in verse five, it's interesting going along with this idea of quality instead of achievement. Notice in verse five, Jesus is saying, hey, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory that I had with you before the world was. So here's Jesus and the Father. They've got this glory thing, this presence going on together before the world was. And now Jesus is saying, hey, Father, do it more. Do it more now. And you're saying, what? Again, which indicates that this is something happening. The work is something that's happening between Jesus and the Father. It's some kind of a quality. And and the bottom, what is he after? What is this whole thing about? And I propose to you this morning, it's in verse five. Father, glorify me together with yourself. And I say to you again, the focus of Jesus in the work and then the activity is not the activity itself. It's on the father. It's on the relationship with the father. I can't tell you how different that is for me. Maybe you're not like me, but it's so easy for me to be focused on results, focused on completion, focused on getting it done. I want to get it done. I want to have good results. I'm focused on, did I get it done? Did I get it done right? Is it going to produce results? And I'm, I'm constantly in my life, in my work, whatever that is, get it done, get it done, get it done. Get on to whatever the next thing is and my life becomes to be this. You ever feel like you're on a hamster wheel? You know? Get her done, get her, what's next? Get her done, get her done, what's next? Get her done, get her done, what's next? You know we're not immune from that in ministry. It's probably why pastors, I heard a stat a number of years ago that pastors are, according to a, a, an industry study, of uh, health insurance to uh, like evaluate health risks. They said that pastors are the number two health risk profession, second highest. Number one is lawyers, because everybody wants to kill them. I don't know that for sure, but. Pastors, why you're in this? Get it done. Get it done. What's next? Get it done. Get it done. Gotta take care of this. Gotta take care of this. Gotta take care of this. And you find yourself in always this mode. I do find yourself always in this mode of one thing to another. Get it done. How did I do? Did I do it all right? Get it done. Get it done. Focus on that. But that's not where Jesus' focus is. His focus in the work. The focus and purpose of the assignment for Jesus, he's on assignment, is not the assignment itself. It's the Father. Does that make sense? He's just saying, Father, this, is, this isn't my work anyway, Father. This is your work that you've given me. This is what you're doing through me. And Father, I'm not going to get caught up in the thing itself. I'm not going to get caught up in the job itself. Why is that a lesson? I'm not gonna get caught up in the task. I'm not gonna get caught up in the duty. I'm gonna get caught up in you. And I want want you to be my whole focus because after all, you who assign me are in me. The assigner is in me. And you're with me in all this. What a purpose for work in my life. That could transform my life. Imagine going to my job, the work of the church, Whatever your role is at your house, whatever your chore, can you imagine this in every chore at your house? You know how chores are at home, right? Who's gonna do that? Who's gonna do that? I guess I will. Hey, it's your turn. All right. You know how that is? I wanna be something in the middle of every chore, in the middle of every job, in the middle of every work to say, Jesus, this is an opportunity to know you more in the middle of the work. I'm on assignment washing dishes. Right, husbands? I'm on assignment with my job. I'm on assignment being a stay-at-home mom. I'm on assignment serving in nursery at my church. I'm on assignment, and the purpose of it is not what I get done. The purpose is how can I know you and how can you flow through me in this? How can I know you? How can I get closer to you? How can I be, as we heard last night, how can I be more connected to you? How can I know you more? How can I let you demonstrate yourself through me more? You say, John, it sounds kinda lazy. You say, well, it sounds like if you do that, you're gonna neglect your job. If you do that, then you're not gonna pay attention to the details of what you need to do. Hey, some jobs you really need to pay attention and you don't wanna slack off on that. No, I beg to differ. I say if God placed you there in whatever you're doing and you stay attentive to him and you're about knowing him and in his presence and letting him flow through you, I propose to you this morning, you'll be better at that thing than you've ever been in your life. You wanna be a dad that serves his family? You wanna be a dad that lays down his life and leads his family in a spiritual example of godliness? Don't focus on that. You can try and try and try to do that job, but if you get into him and abide in him and know him and know the one that's placed you on the assignment, he'll flow through your life and he'll end up being that in ways you never imagined. I gotta be a pastor of a church. Somebody once counted, there's like 232 things pastors gotta do in their churches. How in the world am I gonna do all this, man? How in the world can I keep all those plates spinning? How in the world can I make all those people happy? You know how they are. How in the world? If you focus on that, you're never gonna make it. But what if I focus on him and say, Jesus, you're the one that placed me in this assignment and you're the one that's in me and you're the one that's that's with me in this. And so I'm gonna get enamored and focused in you and caught up in you and knowing you more. And you watch what he does. They say, well, that's nice, John. That's a nice ideal. That's a nice, neat message for a Sunday morning when we're all dressed up. But it's just not very realistic for me because you don't know where I am and you don't know the kind of job that I have and you don't know the people that I have to work with. And you don't know how bad it stinks at that place where I'm at. And you just don't know what it's like to be in my situation. You don't know, that's true. But he does. He does. And I don't know if you noticed in in these verses, there's all this emphasis on the fact that he can do this here and now. (laughs) He says in verse two, I know I read it the other night, he says in verse two, Father, you have given him authority over all flesh. Do you believe this morning that Jesus is able to be all that he is in us human beings right where we live? You believe there's no exceptions to that? That Jesus can be all that he is in whatever situation that he's placed me in this morning? No exceptions. I don't know if you noticed it down in verse 4, where Jesus says, I have glorified you where? On the earth. On the ground, man. (laughs) Father, I've lived this out on the ground. Where the rubber meets the road, that's where this works. That's what he's praying. Oh, Father, that's why down in the prayer later on, if you, if you follow down in the prayer later on, that's why Jesus says all these beautiful words and the, the prayers he's praying for the disciples. Notice verse 14. He says, I have given them your word and the world hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. However, verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Don't you wish he would? Jesus, can't you find a way to get me out of this? This work, this job, this role that I'm in, where I'm stuck right now, can't you get me out? Beam me up, Jesus, please. (laughs) He says, no, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But, oh, Father, in the middle of this, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified. Oh, Father, I'm not praying that you take them out of their jobs. I'm not praying that you take them out of the work or out of the assignment where you've placed them. But oh, Father, I'm praying that you would, you would just come and through the power of your spirit in me, you would just kind of be something in them that is holy and sanctified and your presence and your victory and your life right in the middle of that assignment. How about it this morning? I'm on assignment from him. Well, that's an eternal perspective, isn't it? That makes work no more about just 40 hours. It makes work no more about just a 40 year career. It makes it about an eternal thing. It's about knowing you, that you've placed me here. You've given me this assignment to know you more. You you know me, you know exactly what I And this is about knowing you and growing in you and becoming closer with you and more surrendered to you and and, and being empowered by you and growing in you. Where you have placed me today, because don't forget everybody, what he prays in this prayer is so strong. Remember, he's with you. The one who's placed you on assignment is with you. He says again in verse twenty-three, Oh Father, I in them, and you in me. I in them, and you in me. And it changes my whole view of my work today, church family. It's not a checklist, it's not an achievement. It's about knowing him in closeness and fulfillment. And oh, by the way, you do realize this morning, you're only on temporary assignment. It's not gonna last forever, you know. Well, it sure seems like it. I know. But you know you're on temporary assignment where you are? Hey, you're assigned. No doubt about it, I don't know where you are this morning in specifics, but you are on assignment Here this week, but especially when you go back somewhere a week from tomorrow, or a week from tonight, you're on assignment, but know this, he's in you. And his whole goal of having you there is not just to minister through you, but it's for you to know him there. And you know that everything he's doing in this temporary assignment, you know what he's doing? He's preparing you for the next one. How many times can I look back in my life and see, wow, how Jesus, you shaped me there for what was next. I'm gonna ask Grace and Ron to come and prepare to help me this morning. But this makes so much sense of other things in scripture. This eternal view, my work, it's not just work, it's not just duty. It's not just getting it done. It's not just, man, I can't wait till that's over with, till retirement. No, it's not that. It's that you're in me and you're working in my life and you're working through me and you're doing something and, and, and you want me to know you and all this makes so much sense of things. Paul says like in Second Corinthians 4. He says, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. One of the things I've been uh, pondering in my life a lot we have all these verses in scripture that we've memorized, kind of like memory verses. One thing I've been thinking about a lot, Trina and I have been talking about and praying about, is there's these verses that, they're great verses, but they take on so much more meaning when you see them in context. One of those is Jeremiah 29 11. You guys know Jeremiah 29 11? It's a great verse. In the NIV, it says like this, I know, if you know, if you know it, say it with me, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What a great verse, amen? But what blows me away is what comes before that verse, the context. If you back up to the context, you realize that where he's speaking that is in captivity. In captivity. That's where he's saying that. And it's amazing what he says leading up to those verses. If you go all the way back up to verse four, just pardon me while I read. If you go all the way back up to verse four, it says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You ready for this? Here's your assignment. Ready? You're in Babylon. You're in captivity. Lord, get us out, right? Here's the assignment. You ready? Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for the place where he's placed you. Because if it prospers, you will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years, what? How many years? When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place for. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Can I ask you this morning, where are you on assignment? And is there anybody here besides me this morning? I gotta tell you, we get back from Syker a week from Monday, And then three weeks later starts our school year where I have to teach online classes. It's gonna get heavy, along with traveling. Is there anybody else here besides me this morning that needs to say, Jesus, I need your view of my work. And Jesus, would you help me to just settle down where I am? and say, listen, Jesus, I, I wanna take a new approach. I wanna know a new way. I want your mind in this. And Lord Jesus, this morning, I wanna make a new commitment to you and need you to change my whole view and my heart that, Lord, in my work, in where you've assigned me, you are with me. And the goal is not to get it done. The goal is not just to get it out of the way. The goal is not to be all done with that and when can I get onto something else? The goal is I wanna know you in it and I just want to I want to embrace you in it and know you and and know that you're in me and flowing through me because you're the one that's placed me here and while Ron leads us this morning I'm just wondering anybody else here this morning need a new view need Jesus' view in your assignment would you work in me I wanna know you, wanna seek you, wanna be changed by you, wanna grow in you because this is only temporary. And you're preparing me for something next. So, oh Jesus, help me to settle down in you and know you here. Our altar's open this morning if you'd like to come and pray. If you can't kneel, front pews are open to come and sit. Or somebody could raise a hand to him this morning. If you need his view, Need to know him? Or somebody could stand this morning? If I invite you this morning, Jesus, Jesus this morning knows how to change our view into his. So if you need that this morning, like I do, I invite you to come and respond to him as Ron leads us. But to Jesus I
1: surrender Heavenly Father, we all have a work to do. We all have things that lay claim to our time, claim to our attention. What we pray for is that you would transform the way we see that. Lord, that as we've been reminded, it wouldn't be about accomplishing a list, but it would be about the quality of a relationship with you. Father, what would it take for us to begin to see work not as a to-do list, but as an act of worship? Lord, we come with open hearts and open minds, seeking to know your heart and your will. Lord, as it's made known to us, may we respond In ways that are pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Lord, as we go, may we go in the grace and peace that is ours through Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen.